Welcome back to the Intermission Sports Podcast. The World Cup has wrapped up and Lionel Messi has finally gotten the legendary accolade of the World Cup trophy after beating France in a nail-biting match, which ended in penalties. This is our last World Cup podcast, which means we only need the best for our panel. We've got Julian Quintero, we've got Maurizio Ponce, we got Abhinav Tiramala and Galcha Gormu to help me cover this episode. Fellas, it's, it's over. How are we feeling? Oh, man. Let me... Let me just put it this way. Um, as much as we've had our issues with Qatar due to off-field problems, obviously the atmosphere might not be the same as South Africa or Brazil, and that's what people really remember. But in terms of the on-pitch quality, this might be one of the best World Cups that we've had. Genuinely an absolute blast from game one, seeing the host get smashed 3-0 by Ecuador, to the absolute heart-rushing final between Argentina and France. We see Mbappe score the first hat trick since 1966 in a World Cup final. Genuinely, absolute bonkers tournament. I feel like it's going to be forgotten and going to be a lot skewed in the controversies due to things off the pitch involving where the World Cup was hosted. But on pitch quality, you couldn't get a better Christmas present. Uh, That is well said. Well said. We're going to cover a lot in this uh in this podcast and uh yeah exactly from start to finish it was incredible yeah i'm definitely gonna miss this world cup like julian said it was heading into it we were all trying to wrap our heads around it being in qatar all the problems we were hearing on and off but the 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 football quality was just tremendous i don't really remember well i mean i can't say that but this World Cup has had so many upsets, so many heartwarming stories on the pitch, um, a lot of surprises, and then Messi lifting his World Cup finally. It's like the perfect heroic ending to his story. Um, it was amazing. I, that final was also definitely the best final I've seen in my life in a World Cup for sure. So, man, if this is what we got this World Cup. I can't wait to see what's in store for 2026. I absolutely agree with you. One of the greatest finals, if not one of the greatest, is it off to say one of the greatest matches that we've seen in a long time based on pressure, based on circumstance? It was just absolutely incredible. Abhinav, welcome. Uh, I mean, is it is it not the greatest match that we've ever seen? Right? I mean, just for me personally, right? From every game that I've watched, the only thing that that even comes close to this was Netherlands versus Argentina in 2014 on penalties, right? Mm. I think that was I think that was a really really great game. And uh, Real Madrid versus Man City, where Manchester City lost, right? <laughs> much much lower scale, obviously, but you know this this is the greatest thing you could ever ask for. I mean, just look at the narratives in the final, right? You have the you have the greatest play, the you have the greatest player of all time, not according to some people. Uh, Trying to get the one trophy, which he, which has eluded him his whole career, trying to finally become the heir to Diego Maradona, right? And and then you have the the next one, the next the next guy up, Kylian Mbappe, the first player to score a hat trick since Jeff Hurst in 1966, right? Yeah. He and now he's showing that when Leo Messi and Cristiano go, hey, it's okay, you still have me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this France team and, and this France team also with all the injuries that they've had, Argentina with all the disappointment that they've gone through in the past, how long has it been? Like almost 36 years, right? Mm-hmm. Since mm-hmm. the last World Cup. I mean, narr- narrative-wise, you can't get any better. Football quality-wise, 
after the first 75 minutes, you can't get any better. And uh, I mean, so overall, the entire tournament was like that. It was amazing. I don't think you could have asked for a better World Cup, honestly. Yeah, as a neutral, regardless if you're a, you're a fan of any of the, the teams, of course, there's upsets, but that final and everything around it, you, you couldn't ask, uh, you, you couldn't ask for more, like, uh, like you just said. And last but certainly not least, Galcha, probably the happiest of the bunch. Sir, how are you? I'm feeling amazing. This World <laughs> Cup has been like, I didn't, I didn't think that would have the same vibe as previous World Cups because of it being in the winter. And mm-hmm. I felt like, I felt like it wasn't going to be as special, but the the quality I've seen on the pitch, the upsets, the dramatic moments, the stories, the narratives, everything has been written like so beautifully on the pitch. Obviously off the pitch, we don't know what, what the situation is over there, but like still, Mm -hmm. I would say on the pitch, it's been probably the best World Cup I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, it was definitely a memorable one. I think honestly, what we saw on the pitch definitely... It sh- I, w- I, w- I shouldn't say it, it should take away from what was going on outside of it, but uh, from a footballing standpoint, honestly, just incredible on, on, on every front. It, it, it showed that teams that, you know, had that had forever been cemented as footballing great nations, you know, sometimes can be overestimated, you know, and, and, and teams and some teams like Morocco who have had such an incredible run. Unfortunately, losing that third place, uh, third place position to Croatia, um, even them, like it just showed that any team, it, it, and it's not just Messi's story. I feel like I feel like obviously in this podcast we're going to talk about Messi and 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 how incredible his run was and and how he arguably was one of the most deserved players to win that World Cup. Uh, but there's a lot going on. There's a lot to talk about. Let's just let's just kick it off. On today's episode, we'll be recapping not just the final, but our favorite moments, matches, upsets, and uplifting scenarios, and arguably one of the greatest World Cup tournaments that we've ever seen. So, I guess we'll just kick it off. Final match. We're not really going to cover the Croatia-Morocco game. That game ended 2-1. Croatia took it home. I mean, I just predicted that on the pod. I don't even have to say much more than that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, mean, I did get it, but I, I that was like the first one out of all the predictions I've had the whole tournament. None of them got right. So let's just start with this final. Okay, everyone, you know, was divided. We had Kylian Mbappe. You know, he could win his second. You know, we had the R9 debate that, that Julian proposed in the, in the last podcast. And we had those thinking that this was Messi's last hurrah. He's got to win it. And what a game. 3-3, it goes into penalties. Mbappe hat trick. You know, Argentina getting another pen in a decision that, again, I mean, there was no VAR. The the, the trip from, was it the, the, uh, Dembele that the tripped? Uh... Di Maria. Yeah, he tripped Di Maria, right. And then Messi, of course, he's been burying penalties this entire tournament other than the Chesney one. And he has solidified himself as the GOAT. Are we, are we, are we going to start that off like this? Is he officially the GOAT after this final match? Who wants to kick it off, Julian? To be honest, when when was he not? You know, I, I feel like it's been smoke and mirrors the past two, three years with the conversation between him and Ronaldo. And there is no slight against Ronaldo. He is firmly one of the greatest players of all time. But you look at what Messi's been through. You look at the personal accolades. He has more of them than Ronaldo. He's head-to-head with Ronaldo in a lot of them. He beat Ronaldo. Him and Ronaldo, to be fair, head-to-head. Very similar records to each other. So that is also a really solid one, but... 
Now he has the World Cup. Before the tournament, they both had international trophies. And I hold Messi's higher because he contributed a lot in that final. While if you remember in that Portugal-France final, Ronaldo barely played. To be fair, he did get hurt, but he wasn't on the pitch. People remember it for him, but that tournament, Portugal came out of the group third. They won entirely because of that absolute boring yet effective defensive style of football that they played the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. They weren't scoring goals. That tournament, it wasn't because of Ronaldo, but rather it was because it was a fantastic team effort that they finally came to support Ronaldo, which to be fair, you can say Ronaldo deserves that for all the things that he's done for Portugal and that he has done for the game of football. But inversely, you can say the same thing for Messi and he still contributed an insane amount. This has been, without a doubt, Messi's best World Cup. And I think it just solidifies something that for me has been the case since 2018. For me, it's been a case since he got knocked out against France before he even won the Copa America. For me, He's been the best player because I've never seen a player as good as him. Ronaldo can get you a goal whenever, but one moment that lives for me for Lionel Messi, and it's it's just vibrant. I'm watching a game between Argentina and Colombia. It was like, what, 2017, 2018, friendly, whatever. And I remember I'm sitting, my uncle's behind me. He doesn't watch football, doesn't watch it at all. I'm sitting there. He's behind me, free kick, 30 yards out. Messi steps up to take it. Still, you know, a minute, you know, with the camera angles and the, oh, is he, is he not, whatever. And my uncle just looks up from his newspaper, sees that Messi standing over the ball. And he said, this is going in the top right corner. And then just looks back at his newspaper. And that's exactly where the ball went. I've <laughs> never been like, that's, that's how good Messi was. The dude stands over a free kick. Dude stands over a penalty. Dude is anywhere beyond the halfway mark. And you're sitting, this might be a goal. Like as crazy as it sounds, this really mm-hmm. might be a goal. And that's what he's done his entire career. I feel like he's been very much disrespected, um, especially before he finally won the Copa America. I feel like a lot of people were trying to, oh, you know, but he hasn't won this. And that's like the mentality a lot of Argentinians had, but he delivered the Copa America. He delivered a finalissima. He delivered a World Cup, finally. If this World Cup was in the summer, there's no doubt in my mind that there would be reports that Messi has retired from football. There's no doubts in mm. my mind that if this happened in the summer, that would be the case. But because we're mid-season, he's going to finish the season, and I think he might even retire. Because yeah. what else What else does he have to prove? Ronaldo still has a couple things that people say he needs to prove. All the world grades, people say they have something to prove. Messi's literally done everything he physically can do as a player. Has he's he done, done literally it? everything. Has he, he done can. it in the MLS? I was just about to say that he ain't winning an MLS Cup, though. Has Ronaldo done it in the MLS? <laughs> exactly. LA flopped in the MLS. He wasn't even in the MLS. Yeah, the <laughs> Come on, let's keep it a beat. You know, has he done it in the MLS? Has he done it in La Liga MX, bro? Keep it a beat oh. real quick. Sure, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's the true test. They couldn't hack it in the in Liga MX. But yeah, the, the point is for me, and I, I feel like most of the people on this panel can agree with me. I know... Uh, Shout out Dylan Goss. He wasn't able to make it. I know he's a big Ronaldo fan, but I think even he after this might have to painfully agree. It might be. It's Messi. Lionel yeah. Messi is genuinely, I think, the best player I've ever seen. And I'm going to be telling my kids stories and some of them are going to be real and some of them are going to be fake. I'm going to make them have to guess which one it is. That's <laughs> how unreal he was. Yeah, yeah. No, Messi, I mean, for all the for all the doubters, for all the haters, and I, and I, you know what, I love getting proved wrong. And I didn't think that he was going to be able to step up in this tournament at the beginning. And I thought that after that first game against Saudi Arabia, that that was going to be it. That Argentina aren't even going to get out of the group. You know, I even thought that Poland were going to beat them. But here we are. Messi, 
like you said, the delivery man. He can deliver on all fronts, and he wins player the player of the tournament. Right, he's won I think almost every single man of the match for Argentina in this tournament. That that uh, compilation of pictures of him holding the man of the match after every game is just absolutely ridiculous. Especially the last one where he's holding the World Cup. The game itself, though, what a match! Three three end to end. Argentina winning 2-0 in the 75th minute and then Kylian Mbappe decides that you know what maybe this isn't it you know like scoring a penalty and then scoring one of the greatest goals that I think I've ever seen in a knockout game he he has cemented although everyone's talking about Messi and how he's the goat and 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 this is his tournament we got to realize that you know Messi might be done soon and this is what the world's you know probably needed you know they needed him to close out his chapter like this However, the more terrifying consequence is that Mbappe has lost a Champions League final. He has lost a World Cup final. And although he has won a World Cup, he scored a hat trick in the World Cup final and even scored three, three penalties in the same game against Emmy Martinez, who, has, who also won the Golden Glove. And we'll discuss that later. This is about to be a villain arc like I've never seen in my life. For the next however many years, this man is going to be on top of football. He has he he played so well, honestly. But like at the beginning, I feel like you know, obviously Giroud and Dembele got subbed off. Disaster class from Deschamps, even starting um, Giroud because of fitness issues and and whatnot. But Mbappe was he just turned like he just turned up. He was incredible near the end of the game, especially when he got moved closer to the striker role. I know that he was pushed out really wide with with Giroud, but he was phenomenal. But man, Argentina. I mean, we really bet we we really bet against them throughout the whole tournament. Well, most of us. And they ended up they ended up winning. They ended up getting an incredible uh couple of uh pens stopped. Tituameni and Coleman got their penalty stopped in uh in that shootout. Who, you know, Abinov, go ahead. I, I'm just rambling now, but this final was incredible. Oh no, absolutely, man. Like everything, like everything you said, right? And I'll be first and foremost to say I have I have doubted Argentina for the longest time, right? And even even in this tournament after they lost to Saudi Arabia, I think that uh I, I knew they would make it out of the group. I wasn't I wasn't scared in that sense. But when they had that when they went to penalties against the Netherlands after that disaster class of the last ten minutes, when they gave up to to Woot Veghorst of all people, right? They gave up two goals, right? <clears throat> Yet they somehow, yet they still managed to find a way to do it, right? If it was previous Argentina side, they would have folded under that pressure, right? However, in this tournament, they've managed to find a way to keep on overcoming the odds in every in every sense. And a lot of the and a lot of their problems, let's be honest, they were kind of self-created, right? Because there was, I don't think France would have had any momentum in that game whatsoever if uh, if Otamendi didn't foul Colomani, right? Very similar penalty, actually, to the one that uh, Usman Dembele conceded. It's one of those penalties I hate because, yes, by the letter of the law, it is a pen. But it's so, it's so, like, it's so minimal contact-wise. And it's just, what can the, what can the defender really do? Or sorry, mm-hmm. Right? It's always one of those situations. But by the letter of the law, it's a penalty. They gave it, killing Mbappe scored. And we're gonna, I think we're going to talk more about him later. But Randall Kolomani, what a performance, man. This guy. Mm-hmm. Not really used too much throughout the tournament. Comes on in the biggest game of his career. And I think the biggest game in, the his, in, in any footballer's career, if we're being honest. 
And he, he, Mbappe, and Marcus Thuram right. put France on their back. Mbappe was obviously first and foremost out of all of them, right? But Randall Kolomani's performance, I, I, I know that it'll be one that's going to be forgotten to history eventually because France weren't one of the victors, right? And as we know, history is written by winners. But he played really well. And I think he really, and I think he really covered up the disaster class of a managerial performance mm-hmm. from Didier Deschamps. And this fi- and, and this final, it's gonna give all of the, it's gonna give all of those Deschamps detractors the ammunition that they need. And there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. right? But we can and as and I can keep on going on about how France screwed up and how they made it easy for Argentina, but. Argentina had to be that good in order to win too. And there's one player who I think he's going to start getting a lot more love after this tournament, Alexis McAllister. Mm. This entire tournament, he has been amazing. I'll be honest. I didn't, I, I didn't even know who this guy was before the World Cup started, right? I, had, I saw Alexis McAllister. I thought he was Scottish, right? Uh-huh. He comes on the pitch. He played that perfect weighted ball to Di Maria on his second goal. Beautiful. And this entire tournament, he's been nothing but exceptional. And I feel like he's a player who's going to be going forward in the future too. And uh, I mean, just imagine being him going from playing with going from playing with Enzo Fernandez, Messi, Julian Alvarez, going back to Brighton to pay, to play with Lewis Dunk, right? And Danny Welbeck. And Danny top. Welbeck, supplying Arsenal legend, the main Danny man. <laughs> I don't want but to hear no, Danny Welbeck slander now. <laughs> yeah, none of that, none of that. We what don't did, need what that did here. Welbs do, bro? <laughs> we all love, none of that. We all love Danny Welbeck, but in all seriousness, right? What more could you have asked for from this final? Just everything you could have possibly wanted, they had it. And Emmy Martinez, right? Some people don't like it. They're saying, oh, it was disrespectful what he was doing. Oh, he shouldn't be dancing. So what? Mm-hmm. If your goalkeeper did that, you would be happy. And you would be cheering. And I, especially the English media, who are, who, are, who are maybe the most critical of this, right? If Jordan Pickford was doing the same kind of stuff, he would be called a national hero. <laughs> That's all I'll say. That's a good just a little banter. It's just a little banter. You don't need to get the panties in a twist. Right? Exactly, right? And you know, to close, right? Because I've been rambling on for a little bit. Just a bit of banter. Congratulations to Argentina, man. And they deserved it. No. What more can you say? Undoubtedly, they, they definitely did. Gaucha, go ahead. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this final. This final was like, it was something so special because the whole game for up to 75th minute, 78th minute, whatever, Argentina was controlling like crazy because I didn't expect uh, Di Maria to start. I still felt like they'll just go with the four midfielders. But when Scaloni uh, released his lineup and Di Maria started, I felt like I felt like there was going to be a little bit of a domination from France in the midfield. But that was the complete opposite. France looked totally, totally out of it in the midfield and everywhere in attack and in defense as well. And Di Maria, he penalized France for all their, their lack of concentration, their their lack of awareness on the on the pitch for the first half. But what I liked about this final is that once the, the Mbappe got his penalty, the game started, started again. From that mm-hmm. moment on, it felt like a fresh game, a new game that just started, and I feel like. Once Mbappe's second goal went in, everyone's hearts dropped mm. that were supporting Argentina, unless the fans of France were just celebrating like <laughs> crazy. But still, mm. when it got to when it got to the extra time period and Messi scored the second goal, I mean, third goal for France, I mean for Argentina, and then the second goal of the match, mm. I feel like the crowd erupted, but it was hesitant because of, we thought it was offside. 
But, yeah, that was close. And then when Mbappe scored the third, his hat trick, everyone just lost it and knew it was going to penalties. But I would like to say shout out to Emmy Martinez though. In the last last mm. minute of the match, 123rd minute, I believe, the save against uh Kolomwani, unbelievable. Ridiculous. Mm. Great I think that was probably the best save we've seen in a World Cup final. No. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll never see anything like it again. I don't know, man. That you can see a save that he had with against Robin with the feet. Yeah, that's, that that one... that's definitely up there, yeah. But I, but I think I think this th- one's kind of better. Yeah, 3-3, three, three, the last seconds of a match before it goes into penalties. Both, 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 both are there. up there and important because that, yeah. that, that Robin chance, I'm not even going to lie to you, I was nine years old looking at that saying, <laughs> Well, that's a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. <laughs> you saw him and clear then, through, and you're just like, "That's in." There's no way he misses. Yeah. There's no way he's not scoring that. And my limited football knowledge, I even knew Robin was techie then. So for Casillas to play on a save then, well, I'd say both of those would be. It's tight. It's, it's real yeah. tight. It could be tight. Real tight. But but that save was fine margins. That mm. save was absolutely incredible. And I think we were saying this in the in one of the pods before, but like Emmy Martinez and Messi both equally have maybe not equally, but Martinez has a big had a big part to play throughout this whole tournament. He was excellent, and he, you know, I guess that we can go into our first discussion because Emmy Martinez wins the Golden Glove, right? He's had a phenomenal tournament. Two penalty shootouts, he won, right? However, there's a lot of other goalies, two is two is two especially. Um, in Livakovic and Bonu, right? Did they deserve shouts over Martinez, or did this final cement Martinez's overall performance in the whole tournament? What do we think, Julian? Look, I'm gonna come in here first, and I'm gonna say this: Emiliano Martinez is one of the best goalkeepers when it comes to the penalty shootout aspect. He had a great one against Netherlands. He had a great one against France. There's no taking that away from him. When you look at his performances throughout the World Cup, he hasn't had anything like, wow, he's the reason why Argentina pulled this result. You know, he really hasn't been that major. I think throughout the tournament, mainly from the penalty spot, he's been that guy. But if that's the logic, why didn't we give goalkeeper the tournament to Tim Krul back in 2014? Why didn't we, like, let's keep it a bean. Like, if penalties are what matters to push your theme forward based off goalkeeper performance, fair to you to Emiliano Martinez. Plus, he's on the team that won the World Cup. That also definitely mm-hmm. plays into his favor. But if we're looking at the sheer performances that essentially carried their team throughout, Yassin, Bonu, and Dominic Livankovic, two amazing performances, hands down some of the best that I've seen at a tournament in a while. Morocco went an amazing run. Croatia proved that they weren't a fluke. They were a team that could battle with the big boys it just went to show i think they were better goalkeepers throughout this tournament it's no disrespect to martinez he's a fantastic goalkeeper had a good tournament but i just think these two lost out to it because of one the recency bias of seeing his performance in that penalty shootout and the one against the netherlands and two the fact that he was on the team that won the world cup gotcha you're i agree i agree no i'm not everybody but i just i agree <laughs> i agree those two have probably been better but i think the save the save against uh, Mexico, for example, when it was a free kick, it looked like it was going in, and Emmy he caught it like it was nothing. And then against Australia in the last moment, he also made a huge save when they could have tied and sent them to extra time. It could have been another difficult match for Argentina, but he also blocked. He also kept them alive in that match to win. But I think yes, the other two have been probably been better. But I think Emmy Martinez has also been very good, and we I think we forget moments that he's had that actually helped Argentina get through. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. Martinez, we've we've seen for both Aston Villa. I mean, Aston Villa is a team. We're not really going to compare them against Argentina, right? But we saw me Martinez's crazy performances in the Copa America, right? And like Gal just said, he's had a bunch of incredible saves and a bunch of incredible like game-winning moments in this in this tournament. However, I do feel that perhaps maybe because he's playing for the team that has won the World Cup, that's maybe why he got it. However, we shouldn't be taken away from the fact that he is a phenomenal keeper and he's had a phenomenal tournament regardless, right? Abhinav, go ahead. Uh, for me personally, right, as an Arsenal fan, seeing Emmy Martinez do so well, it warms my heart a little bit because we had this guy on our bench and just like we always do, we sold him when he got good. But <laughs> I think if he wasn't on a team that won the World Cup, right, I don't think he would have gotten uh, the Golden Glove. And honestly, for me, I probably would have given it to Livakovic because I uh, I forget which game it was, but he had to make 11 saves just to keep his team in it, right? Mm. Brazil. And Brazil, there you go. And the fact that he had to make 11 saves just for Croatia to even have a chance and then also save, and then, and then also save a penalty, right? While another one, hit, uh, it was Marquinhos hit the post, right? Yeah. Yes, so, yes. Whilst also saving a penalty and making 11 saves in a World Cup, I think is I think that's the second most behind only Tim Howard in 2014 against Belgium, right? Beast. So I think it it should have gone to Livakovic, but recency bias is one thing, and the fact that Emi Martinez he's a big personality that also plays a huge part in the perception of mm-hmm. why he got it. Because if we're being honest, it's the uh, football is about entertainment, right? It's a show mm-hmm. business, and Emi Martinez say what you want about him. But, but anytime there's a penalty shootout, anytime he makes a big save, or any yeah. or just any situation he's really in, this guy always puts on a show. Right? That's that's for sure. His so, antics, top notch. Right. Now I, I personally love it. <laughs> you can hate it, people, you can love it, it pays off. Exactly. And I know some people don't like it because it's disrespectful and all that, right? Me personally, it's part of the game. If you're if your goalkeeper did that, you'd be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm not, I don't want to say he didn't deserve it because I don't think I don't think that's fair. But if he wasn't on a team that won, if he wasn't on the team that won the World Cup, he wouldn't have got it. That's what I'll say. I mean, it it could be debate, debated both ways, right? Martinez right. is and and like and it doesn't take away from the fact that all three keepers, Bonu, Livakovic, and Martinez, Chesney too, and you can even put Chesney in there. Like um, the main three had gone further in the tournament. So they right. they shined in more pressured situations. I feel. Um, however, it I feel like I kind of agree. I feel like it, it, it could have gone either way. I understand why I went to Martinez, but I also could have right. seen it gone to the other two guys as well. They were absolutely phenomenal. Right. Then we go to the next award because I want to player the tournament. Messi. I mean, that is kind of if that's not expected. It's it's either him or Mbappe, right? Both of them have been absolutely fantastic, but. Best young player was Enzo Fernandez. This one is can also be debated. I feel like Fernandez has probably also deserved it because he has been phenomenal for Argentina in this whole tournament. However, are there other names that could have been included instead? I, I believe is is it U twenty one for the best uh, young player? Is that the gauge gap? Okay. Is it is it U twenty one? I believe it yeah. is U twenty one. Yeah. Well, then I have two names for you here that I think and they didn't make it. As far in the tournament as Argentina, because again, Argentina won the tournament, so that plays into it. But I think these two guys, in terms of how important they were to their teams, 
And based off my own opinion of watching how they were playing, I think these two might've been better shouts. My first one, which is more so outside the box because, eh, you know, the team didn't advance as far, but I think he deserves his flowers. Jude Bellingham, absolute stunner of a tournament. And I felt like controlled the midfield like no other. Kid's what, 19? And he's doing things that you're seeing Modric do. He's, you're seeing things that you haven't seen in a while from a player that young. He was phenomenal this tournament for England. He definitely drove the midfield for them. Him and Bukayo Saka. I don't think Bukayo Saka is under the age of 21, so I don't think he qualifies for it. I'm not 100% certain on his age, but I want to give Saka his flowers as well. Him and Bellingham, in my opinion, hands down, the two best players for England at this tournament. Absolutely amazing from both of them. But the one guy that I think should have won this and will not get his flowers because the man plays center back, give me Josko Gvardiol. This man was a warrior on that back line. He was amazing on a Croatian team that I will eat the words and say we're too slow in the defense. This man came in and absolutely looked world class this tournament. Sure, you can point out the fact that he got cooked by Messi. And that's going to factor into people's votes. But let's be real. He did as much as he could to contain literally the best player we've ever seen who was on a mission to win this damn tournament. Right. Other than that, he was amazing in both matches against Morocco. He's been amazing in every match he played. He was locked down in that Brazil match. He was amazing along with Lubankovic. Lubankovic, my bad. They were phenomenal when it comes down to it. So I think the center back needs his damn flowers. He's wearing the cool mask. He deserves all the love. And I hope that a team takes him out of Red Bull Salzburg. I can, I can smell Bayern feeling around <laughs> for this kid because he's the real damn deal. And at the age of 20, born January 23rd, 2002, I'm older than this man. That's and sad. this guy so just much. put in, I think, the best young player performance in a World Cup. A lot of love to a lot of the young players that showed up this World Cup. Enzo Fernandez was absolutely phenomenal. But this man, I feel, got disrespected just because he plays in the defensive line. I mean, that is that is absolutely true. Like, you, you don't get rumors for Man City dropping 110 120 million for you or in like likes of bellingham liverpool dropping or reportedly dropping 150 million or going to for these for these lads like these are players that you know have already been showing themselves um and how good they are in their respective teams but showing it on the world's biggest stage you just got to have props and and some other names that have been pretty good i mean rodrigo was all right for for brazil as well did you a many you know, with an injured midfield of Conte and Pogba, Aurelian uh, Jesus, Tituameni came into that France midfield and bossed it. And he was incredible. And I, I even, obviously this is going to be kind of a hot take, but even in the final, I thought, I thought Camavinga coming on, we, have, we haven't seen him have a fantastic performance in this World Cup yet. You know, being played at like left back, right back, you know, barely getting minutes on in, in some matches, if not even coming on at all comes into this game in a World Cup final and puts it on its head. He, honestly, if, if he had more games like that, I would even be considering a player like that because he was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then we also have other players like uh, Gonzalo Ramos, but I mean, only playing in like two games and one of them is a hat trick. The other one you get subbed off like at half. I'm not really, it's not really much to, to write home about. And like the likes of Jamal Musiala, who didn't get out of the groups, but he maintained the highest successful dribbles in the whole tournament and he only played three games that's that's incredible on its own on, on its own right but yeah and then then you could even talk about gavi right gavi had a pretty good tournament with spain i mean i'm not sure if it's more hype than 
than actual facts. But I'm, I'm seeing I'm re- I was reading a bunch of reports on on young players that that could be included, and of course the golden boy somehow the golden boy uh, got into contention there. But yeah, fair enough. And then that, that, that's why I don't think it's too contended that Enzo Fernandez wins this. He has been phenomenal for them, scoring that incredible goal in the groups for Argentina. Like he's just been that guy, and 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 I'm expecting him to leave Benfica either literally this this next coming month or definitely in the next summer. He he is one of those names that definitely deserves a, a big move. However, player of the tournament, Messi, as we as we, as we just mentioned, discounting him. What are your what are your guys' opinions on who is your player of the tournament other than Messi? Abinov, go ahead. We're discounting Mbappe too, right? Because I mean the other obvious Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess we'll discount both because they're just on a different level. I mean, for me, for me, honestly, like he's not he's not gonna be the player of the tournament, right? But he's the guy who I was probably the most impressed with. Alexis McAllister, like I mentioned before. This guy mm-hmm. went from basically being a complete unknown. To being to being undroppable from the Argentina midfield, right? Remember, because because uh, uh, before this tournament, there was a there was rumors that uh, that he might not even play. Yet, McAllister was the only one who was never dropped from the Argentina midfield, right? And even and even in the final, there was some debate about about who Argentina would uh, would start between a between a DePaul, Leandro Paredes, and McAllister, right? And it was actually Leandro Paredes who ended up getting dropped and he ended up getting benched and later coming on rather than McAllister. And he also played that perfect weighted ball to Di Maria. He also scored and he also scored for Argentina. And he's a guy who I can see a lot of big things for in the future, right? And I feel like he had a, uh, I feel like he had a coming out party of sorts in this tournament. Same thing with, uh, same thing with somebody like uh, Amrabat from Morocco. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel yeah. like he he put the entire world on notice in this tournament too. And if we're going if we're going to talk about defensive midfielders, let's go, let's go some love to who I think was honestly the U.S.'s best player, Tyler Adams. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Very good. I mean, I mean, uh, this isn't uh, this is a more of a this one specific point is for an off the pitch thing. But we all saw that clip of that reporter asking him a question uh, of uh, basically asking him kind of a mm-hmm. gotcha question, right? He handled that better than probably any other person could have in that situation, right? He showed exactly why at 23 years old, he's the youngest captain at the World Cup, and he's the captain for a reason, right? And yeah. also his performances, especially the one against England, just amazing, right? And Bukayo Saka, as Julian previously mentioned, right? I think he, I, I think he was one of, if not England's best player. It's probably between him and Jude Bellingham this entire tournament, right? Yeah. Bukayo Saka, even in the game against France, nobody could stop this man. He had Theo Hernandez on skates. Mm-hmm. And stubbing off Bukayo Saka, I think, is when England ultimately ended up basically losing the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And ultimate thing, ultimately, like a lot of young players showed up this world uh, showed up this World Cup and a lot of players did too. So those are those aren't gonna be like the best players. Those are the ones that really just popped out to me. But if Alexis, want, like, uh, Alexis McAllister is amazing. He's on player. top. At that right. list. And if you want an actual answer for who I'd say is objectively the best after those two, probably uh, Antoine Griezmann. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, besides yeah. the final, 
Besides mm-hmm. the final one, which he didn't really do much, you this took guy my pick. Is best player. I'm sorry, bro. Now you go ahead, then. I will give you. A no, we're yeah, just gonna simply say that Griezmann is an outside shot. He was absolutely right throughout this tournament. Played a completely different role that we're used to him seeing. Going from France's goal scorer to their creator to now being an absolute box to box menace in this tournament. It was really, really inspiring to see. He's definitely in the conversation for international greats. Mm. There's no debate there. He's been, what, on like a 70-plus game starting streak for France. That just goes to show you how he, integral he is to that team. Yep. And, like, that performance against England, England played better during France that majority of the game, but Griezmann took that game by the scruff of his neck that cross for that second goal, he got both assists, but that cross for that second goal was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Seeing Griezmann in the defensive third, getting getting stuck in, winning interceptions, it was really, really, really good to see. So for me, outside shot would be Antoine Griezmann. Yeah, I, I, I completely blanked on that after seeing the final. Griezmann has been one of the one of the main guys. He has been absolutely incredible. So yeah, another highlight. Of, of players this tournament. Galcha, who is your player of the tournament? I would have said Griezmann, but Maurice already said it. So mm-hmm. I was just trying to say another person like Unahi. Unahi's the guy who is like standing out to me the most because he was just unreal in the midfield for anyone he played against. He was just, he was dribbling past anyone. He was getting, making nice passes. He was controlling the midfield. Like I've never seen someone do in the World Cup like this in a long time. He was just unreal for me. I just feel like he's getting the praise now, but throughout the season at Angers, he was like amazing. He's also amazing over there. And now like Luis Enrique, Jose Mourinho, they all they're all saying he's one of the best midfielders at the tournament and I certainly agree. And I also like to say about uh, Alexis McAllister, he made me completely forget about uh Los Celso. Los Celso oh, yeah. such a key piece to the Argentinian team and Los Celso was like that guy in the midfield for them that linked up the play and also uh, made them attack better and defend better as well. So Alexis McAllister made me forget a lot about him. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's also a great shot for Abenov. Uh McAllister, do we think he's going to play in the EFL Cup tomorrow against Charlton for Brighton? You know, there's shouts of him getting in that starting lineup after he's done celebrating the World Cup. <laughs> getting back to real business. Absolutely not. I think I think he's I think he's still recovering from the hangover in Buenos Aires right now. He's <laughs> yeah. a bender. Be him. <laughs> no, I know. I, I wonder if he's even going to stay in Brighton in this transfer window because mm. I, pulling out a performance or the performances for the team that wins the World Cup and you play for Brighton, nothing against Brighton, fantastic club. But do we yeah. think that he does? He deserves a better move than that after this, or especially the, like this soon, Julian. Okay, so this is not only for Alexis McAllister, but I think it's for essentially his entire Brighton team. They're currently sitting seventh in the Prem table after losing their manager and and everything. But you see guys like Moises Caicedo, you see your Alexis McAllisters. I think I think Brighton's gonna have a fire sale in January. As as well. Try to maximize the financials they can bring in Mm -hmm. from these massive talents. Because let's be real. A lot of these dudes did show out in this tournament. They had a solid tournament all around. So gotta gotta tip my hat to all the Brighton players at this tournament. I think they're all gonna be going back and they're like Alexis McAllister's gonna walk in. It's like, yo, I got an offer from PSG. And like, no way, Chelsea wants me. And the new manager's just sitting there with his hands in his face, like his face in yeah. his hands. You know, just like ah. 
who the hell am I fielding tomorrow? Because I think all these guys are going to be gone. But that is a good. That's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. That is a good segue into into a next uh, topic that I wanted to ask, because because this World Cup is in the winter and it segues right into January. And that's where we got that winter transfer window. Who is guaranteed that they're leaving their club? Because the first player that I think is Cody Gakpo. We've been hearing rumors, even in the summer when uh, Ten Hag wanted to sign him for United. Um, for, and then PSV continued to reject all those bids. But, I mean, Gakpo, Amrabat, Livakovic, Fernandez, these are some of the names that I can already think that are going to get big, uh, big moves coming out of this window. Are there any names that stuck out to you for players like McAllister that plays that, that play for teams that clearly their skill level, you wouldn't really associate a player like that with a lower tier club? Are there any players that stuck out to you who will be not at their team when they come back? Julian? I could see this being more so under the radar because I don't think financially it's going to be as talked about or anything like that. But give me Sofian Amrabat to one of the top teams in Italy. He's playing for Fiorentina. He's been having a good season. It only makes sense that one of the Milan clubs or a Napoli or even a Juventus now that they've completely cleaned house and want a fresh start. It wouldn't surprise me for them to make a bid on Sofian Amrabat and bring him in from Fiorentina. I don't think he's going to be leaving Italy, but I think one of the giants in Italy are definitely going to snap him up very under the radar because we're going to be seeing so many people talking Gakpo, so many people talking what striker from the tournament impressed us so Arsenal can pick them up. You know, we're going to, we're going to hear a lot of conversations uh, around Jude Bellingham and Liverpool. Will they, won't they? You know, that's going to be the main things covering the news. I think Sofian Amrabat's guaranteed to move away from Fiorentina. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be really under the radar. So I just want to point that out real quick and want to give my flowers to this man because he's been phenomenal this tournament. Yeah, he he was exceptional. And and even like after the after their 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 win against Spain, he was getting like rumors of Atletico and and Barca trying like trying to put room uh, trying to inquire for him, right? Um, but yeah, he definitely deserves. And we could see we've seen a lot of players move within the league in Italy, but not really not a lot of people want to talk about that. But We've seen that happen for cheap prices as well. I like can think of Dybala just leaving, right, Juve. But you're right. Juve have clean, have clean house, and I could definitely see him filling that spot, even though they do have Paradise, right? They just recently acquired him. But, yeah, go ahead, Joey. Uh, another name. I, I should have just done this back-to-back. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But another name, and it just thought of me because this guy might have been the entire Ghanaian team this tournament, Mohamed Kudus from Ajax. Mm. I could definitely see him go somewhere. Where? I honestly don't know, but... You know, you can maybe I could, I could see him going so many different places, primarily, obviously, the Premier League. I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle sitting at third wants to strengthen their midfield even further and bring in a guy like Kudus. I know Almeon fills in that role with him already. So that's kind of like, a uh, you never know. But this guy's been phenomenal this tournament. I could see Ajax, especially as a team historically known for selling on their talent when the value is at its highest. I could see Mohamed Kudus leaving this transfer window pretty straight, pretty easily. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair shout. He's been explosive for Ajax these past couple of years and in the Champions League as well. But any other names do we think are leaving this uh, leaving leaving the clubs in January? Galcha. I would like to say Josip Juranovic for Croatia at right back. He plays mm. at Celtic, I believe, and I think he was he was phenomenal in this World Cup. Like when I seen him play, he's always just he has an engine on him. Especially against Canada, he was just booming down that left side, and Canada couldn't handle him. And then also against um, against Brazil, he was also amazing. He just got past the mid-Brazilian team so easily, 
so many times. And I feel like if he if he continues this kind of form into uh, into the club season, I think he might get picked up by who knows any team that needs a right back. Maybe even Barcelona because they don't have a specific right back in place. That's a fair shout. Even though I think Bellerin is pretty good. No, oh I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, but yeah. So the World Cup in a in a time like this, a lot of people were were arguing, being like, "Why is it in the winter? It's totally screwing up the club schedule." And we did see some injuries come out of this World Cup. However, these players definitely didn't shy away from giving their all and trying to like make it as entertaining as possible, right? So it only makes it only actually kind of makes sense that. There are some positives with this World Cup as the January transfer window comes around right after this. And clubs, all of them, all over Europe and all over the world are looking for these players. And and even, even in, in, uh, with uh, Alastair Johnson and uh, Ismail... Uh, what's it? Kone. Kone, yeah. Kone. They both are going as well. Like uh, They're in Europe now. And these are like MLS players that you wouldn't have really put your money on beforehand. But... Anything can happen, right? So let's let's just move on. Let's just talk about let's let's reminisce a little bit. So many moments in this World Cup, upsets, uplifting moments where we we couldn't believe what was going on. What are some of the greatest moments that you guys, other than the final, because I want to talk about the full tournament, right? We got to get some differing opinions here. What are your best moments? In this World Cup, I, I can I can start us off. I'll I'll, I'll definitely say that seeing uh, seeing the Gonzalo Ramos hat trick was an absolutely phenomenal moment that I don't think any of us would have really expected. I mean, he he is a good striker for Benfica, but benching Ronaldo and showing up with that first goal where it was near post and incredible. We're going to talk about the goals in 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 a few moments, but that to me to start us off that was incredible. We could talk about both of Morocco's wins, of course. Um, even I don't know if that, maybe many people are going to even remember this, but Iran coming back against Wales in the last two minutes in the 98th and like the 101st minute in a 90-minute group stage game, that was incredible. Does anyone have any moments that for them stood out more than more than anything? Abinov. I mean, for me, the first one, I mean, I think we're all thinking of it, right? Saudi Arabia's wing against Argentina. And this is, and I think this is only on the second day, the second match day of the World Cup, right? Nobody, nobody expected it to happen. And you could, and I don't, I don't even think, honestly, the Saudi fans expected it to happen, right? And although Saudi Arabia, they weren't too great for the rest of the tournament. That one match against Argentina really put a lot of those players on the map. You could see what it meant to the country and the people as a whole. I mean, they, I mean, Saudi Arabia declared a national holiday after beating Argentina, right? And we can definitively say now, Saudi Arabia is the team that ended Argentina's 36, 36-game unbeaten run, mm-hmm. right? It, that's going to go down. That's going to go down in football and trivia in the next 10, 15 years. But <laughs> yeah. It's just no, it, no. It was just it, it was just amazing to see for me personally because it's such a small nation, like footballing wise. I mean, right? It's not a nation that's known for their players, and they finally sh- and, and then they showed up. And not only did they show up, did they show up and putting a good performance and all that? They won against arguably the hottest team in the world. Not even arguably. I think you can definitively say the the hottest team in the world at the time and against the greatest player of all time, right? Yeah. That offside trap, it was perfect. 
I mean, we can also, I mean, we can also talk about uh, what I call the fifteen, the fifteen minutes of madness, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where uh, Costa Rica, Spain, Germany, and Japan for a second, for uh, for a little bit of time, right? Costa Rica and yeah. Japan were going through in a group containing Germany and Spain, two of the footballing world's greatest nations, right? And like with Germany in particular, right? They have those second most World Cups in history after Brazil, right? Meanwhile, you have Spain, who had one of the greatest teams ever internationally in uh, in the 2000s, right? And even now, they have they have great players at every position, arguably except the striker position, right? Mm-hmm. And those 15 minutes were just insane. I remember, uh, I remember people consistently so uh, changing between one game and the other, and you could you could even hear it in the stadiums themselves when the fans were checking their phones to see the reactions from the other results. And yeah. Japan ended up ended up topping a group which a lot of people didn't even have them coming out of, mm-hmm. right? Those and but like those fifteen minutes in particular, it was just so exhilarating. I think, I think it's safe to say this has probably been the best group stages of any World Cup in recent memory. Yeah. So yeah, I think those would be my two biggest moments. Yeah, those are those are very fair. I I remember watching. Uh, first, we're waking up at five to watch the Argentina Saudi Arabia game, and I'm thinking this better be worth it. And my God, it it was. That was that was. I I couldn't believe you're right. Second day of the tournament, and you're watching or third day, I think, because the host game was first, and then they had the rest of the games. Yeah, so I th- I think there was a, the third day, but yeah, ridiculous. And then of course, probably one of my biggest disappointment of the tournament, Germany just fumbling in their in their groups and then watching Costa Rica and Japan at the top was just like you couldn't believe you, you couldn't make this up especially after Spain uh winning 7-0 against Costa Rica in an incredible bluff I'd say for the rest of the tournament considering they couldn't recreate that same dominance that they showed um but yeah and 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 there are other some there are some other moments as well like Tunisia uh winning in after extra time like the canceling Griezmann's goal out for having them win uh Maurizio go ahead I I know it's kind of the easy pick but for me no doubt it's the Kylian Mbappe hat trick in a World Cup final that is we're seeing things that not normal human beings can do (laughs) like Julian touched on earlier the first hat trick in a final since 1966 and in that 1966 World Cup, that goal didn't even cross the line. But come on, that's a long time ago. Who cares? <laughs> um, Mbappe, for Mbappe to be absent, a passenger for a majority of that game, to step up and take that first pen hard to the left, calm, cool as you like, get the ball, and then two minutes later, yeah. To receive a ball over the top, not even think that the thought of taking a touch never even entered his fucking mind. He knew as soon as that ball went over, um, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, um, but Taram, it was a beautiful pass from Taram. Mm-hmm. Um, he just took it expertly. I mean, how many players? are going to do that in the yeah. World Cup final mm-hmm. with everything on the line to bring your team back into the game, which you really shouldn't be back in. Yeah. To take that volley and to score, that's absolutely, it's unparalleled. 
Mm-hmm. And also, I know uh, I, I forget who touched on it earlier. Mbappe scored three penalties that night. Mm-hmm. All against Emmy Martinez as well, who is an excellent shot stopper and excellent at getting into the minds of players. Mm-hmm. There's not one player on earth that's going to make three penalties in one game. I'm saying it right here, right now. I don't even care if that's a hot take. Yeah. Who else is going to do that? Especially in the World Cup final, no less. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane has no excuse. Harry Kane, they were they were saying. I saw a tweet uh, uh, after that England France game where, like, it was like a psychologist that said that because Jordan Henderson wasn't there before the penalty, some <laughs> nonsense that he missed oh. the penalty. I literally almost started, I almost choked and died. <laughs> this is uh, that like that separates. The absolute world class from whatever else. Harry Kane is not world class. Call that a hot take. He's not. <laughs> um, the, that Mbappe hat trick in the final, they didn't win, of course, but for him to pull that out mm-hmm. at age 24 or less, well, he was 23 when he did it. He's 24 today. Is today's birthday? Today's his birthday. Oh my! Happy birthday, um, Mbappe! Happy birthday, Mbappe! <laughs> that is nothing short of legendary. Like that, of yeah. course, that Messi story is going to be told for generations to come. But you're not going to be able to tell that story without telling the story yeah. of Mbappe during that game as well. Well we said. We witnessed two of the game's greatest mm-hmm. going head to head. I also remember was it was in the 120. Uh, uh, third minute, not before that. Uh, was it before or after that? Uh, Colomani chance when Mbappe got the ball right on the. Oh corner, yeah, yeah. Just I thought absolutely it was started cutting up the defense. I thought it was written in stone that he was scoring that. If he scored that, I'm sorry, but he would have earned goat status right then and there. <laughs> That's it. Any debate about anything else because he absolutely skinned Romero and I forget who else and uh it was it was poetic, but Mbappe is just going to use this as fuel. Like you yeah. saw him holding that uh that the, the Golden Boot Award, he wasn't mm-hmm. happy obviously because he lost, but he didn't seem sad either. That just looked like the face of a man who was <laughs> going to absolutely destroy everybody in his path until yeah. the next one. And uh, and I have to say it as well, he's going to be in his prime for mm-hmm. the next World Cup. That is. A scary, scary thought. To think, to think you win the golden boot, you already have a World Cup under your belt. You're literally leading one of the greatest nations right now in, in terms of talent. And you're only 23 and you're not in your prime? Like that, to me, to me, that's ridiculous. Like, to me, it's, it's like, reason, you, you, can't, you, you can't put your head, your, 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 your head around it. The only reason I wanted France to win this over Argentina I did want Messi to win his World Cup as much as my comments are biased, might not seem that way. It's more just because I don't like Argentina. Um, I wanted Mbappe to win this World Cup purely because if he won this World Cup by 2026, he would be in his prime and he would have the chance to three-peat World (laughs) Cups. And that would have absolutely torched any fucking debate ever in the history of ever in our game. Yeah. That's the main reason. I wanted that just for the pure 
like we're, we're talking, what we've seen with Messi, that's literally we might not ever see again. But if we were to see that storyline play out where Mbappe won three straight World Cups, that would have, like, you can't even, I can't even think about it. Like, my head's starting to hurt yeah. right now. Just <laughs> all, all, all before the age of 30, no less. All before the age of 30. Yeah. That he, he could do a messy and then he's in his late mid thirties with another World Cup. Like, come on. <laughs> but, but still, Mbappe can can do nothing but hold his head up high. Yeah, what a performance that has to go down as one of the most memorable uh, moments in a World Cup in ever. And it was all down to Loris to screw that up. You hate to see Fuck it. <laughs> he's <laughs> such a fraud. Uh, Julian, go ahead. So. You know, obviously, as I mentioned, this World Cup had a lot of things off the pitch. So I just want to highlight one of my favorite moments off the pitch more so because you know, it, it brought warmth to my heart, made me happy. And that was uh, Germany's hand over the mouth on the team photo on the first game of the World Cup after FIFA told them like the night before that they're not allowed to wear the one love bands. Um, I don't know. Personally, I think that was a really nice moment. Very nice gesture. Very wholesome. I really enjoyed it. Made me happy. Made my day that day. Um, and I think that's definitely going to get overshadowed by the other monumental moment that had that day that happened right after that, which was the fact that Japan won, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. with a beautiful goal from Takuma Asano to close up so the, game, the near post, no less. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight that moment off the page. I don't want to talk too much about things off the pitch or anything like that, but I just mm-hmm. want to highlight that because it was, it really was such a special moment to me. Uh, at this World Cup, and it happened so early, so people obviously forget after like a month. But right, I mean, it was just really special. So I wanted to, I wanted to put that out there because I, I feel like it needed some recognition. Um, yeah, on the pitch, there's been so many fantastic moments. So obviously, it's it's crazy. But oh, I had one and I had it written down, and I just completely forgot what it was, which is completely painful and ruins the point. But we will be able to come um, back to you. <laughs> you need to think about oh, it. <laughs> um. Speaking of Asano's goal against Germany, let's talk about goals because there were tons of great goals in this World Cup. Tons of goals where everyone thought that's got to be goal of the tournament. Like it's it's incredible, right? We talked about uh, Richarlson, his his overhead kick against Serbia. There are tons of others. Abinov, let's kick us off. What is what are some goals that we that we got to remember out of this tournament? Uh, I think Chua Meng's long shot against England. That's one because. I mean, let's be honest, right? When he took that, did anybody really even really expect it to go in? <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought he I thought it was one of those shots which he's taking just to see if he can maybe get a rebound off the keeper or something like that, right? Mm. Or to see if there's anybody who's in a closer position or maybe get a corner from a deflection, right? But no, he hit it beautifully right into the bottom corner, right? We can also talk. Uh, we can also talk about, like you said, uh, Abubakar's tip versus versus Serbia, right? That I mean, that's one of the most beautiful tips I think I've ever seen in general. So calm, so calm, right? And this is one that uh, this is one that no that nobody's gonna remember because of the result. But Neymar's goal against Croatia, mm. right? I think I think Neymar. I think Neymar. I feel bad for the guy because that game pretty much epitomized his entire career in, in a way, right? Neymar, despite despite his team struggling, puts his team on his back. Gets the uh, gets them a goal, gives them a fighting chance, and but yet when it matters most, he isn't able to. He either he isn't able to get the job done, 
or his team isn't able to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. So nobody remember so nobody remembers the past the past heroics that he had, right? Which I think kind of just symbolizes his career in a way, right? And I don't mean that disrespectfully, right? Because I yeah. think I think like uh, pure ability wise, he's probably the third best player of the past ten years, I'd say, right? Purely based on the ball ability, ability. And, yeah. He's on the ball. He's exceptional. Absolutely. Right? You know, and sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Oh no, I was gonna say, right? And that goal he had against Croatia, he went through that entire defense. He and he scored against Lavakovic, who was a wall. Yeah. Nobody would like nobody was stopping Lavakovic during that game and during that game in Neymar. Just just the patience, the class, the technique, the composure you needed to get that finish, making the goalkeeper bite. It's just yeah. I don't think anybody else could have done that except maybe Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Yeah. And and I think that uh, it was just such a nice goal, but nobody's going to remember it in like a month from now, I'd say. Yeah, unfortunately, the incredible upset probably trumps the, uh, the actual... Or the, or, or the fact that maybe no one's going to talk about the fact that Neymar decided to take the fifth penalty in that, and he didn't end up taking it at all. Right. And this is just Coward here, right? play? I don't know. Julian, I mean, let's, let's go. Oh, wait, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, no, it's all good. I was going to say... Oh, uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Sorry about that. I was going to say, right, like... <laughs> Neymar could have taken the first penalty. Your best players could always go first, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Hugo Lloris plays for Spurs, so he is a fraud. <laughs> He's fraud. <laughs> Lloris on fraud watch. Julian, so go ahead. First of all, I want to highlight. I was, I was, I was thinking. I was like looking at Patrick. I'm like, okay, the moment has to do with Patrick. Like, what, 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 what was I thinking <laughs> of? And I look at behind you, and I remembered, and it was two moments from the exact same game when Poland won two nil against Saudi Arabia. Mm. First and foremost, the absolute insane double save after a penalty kick from Wojciech Chesney. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That, wow. Amazing. That was a great moment on there. Against Messi. Ju- oh, no, wait. No, no, no sorry. That's the Saudi Arabia game. Saudi Arabia game. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I'm getting ahead of myself. And then the second, the second one, which was um, just because it's nice to think about Robert Lewandowski in that same game scoring his first ever World Cup goal. It's nice to mm-hmm. see the greats of the sport, you know, finally be able to contribute, especially the ones that are from nations that usually don't get opportunities to perform at the World Cup. Uh, you know, maybe because, you know, the rest of the national team isn't great enough to make it through qualifying or anything. You know, it's mm-hmm. nice to see these guys be able to get their first goal. You can see how much it means to them. But on the topic of scoring goals, uh, I that Abubakar chip, I think, is my my goal of the tournament. I've never seen the parabola of a soccer ball go that way and still go into the net without going into Rosette. I was <laughs> amazed yeah. at that chip. Shout out Vincent Abubakar. He also scored a winner against Brazil and got sent off promptly after for celebrating so hard. But um, just wanted to shout out that guy for those two goals. But the three goals that I want to highlight just because they were amazing. The most forgotten one, I think, is going to be Gavi's volley against Costa Rica. They won oh, second. Yeah. No, no one's going to talk about any of those goals just because it was such a schlacken. But caught it off the volley, outside the boot, off the post? Mm. Beautiful technique on that goal. Got to give props. Speaking of technique, Salem Alduasari's goal against Argentina. Guy rocked between three dudes like a snake i couldn't believe what i was seeing on the footwork and curls it to the back stick to give saudi arabia the lead and then promptly the win against argentina it's going to be forgotten because argentina won the tournament so no one's going to remember the fact that they lost against saudi arabia no one's going to want to bring it up but that was such a beautiful goal 
Yeah. And lastly, we mentioned the Germany thing earlier. Oh, Takumi Asano, control it from the over the top. Defender right on him. Muscle your way through and power it on the near post against Neuer. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like one of the early FIFA games, man. Near post OP. That was a beautiful finish. I want to highlight yeah. that. Yeah. Shout out Japan. Shout out the Japanese fans. I know that there was a lot of public talk as they were staying back and cleaning up the stadiums throughout the tournament. So mm -hmm. you love to see on and off unbelievable results. So yeah, absolutely. Asano, I really could I really have blocked that game out of my mind. I couldn't believe Japan played that well because they're they're so quick on the ball. They're they're counterattacks, just Germany uh, just were a big disappointment throughout the whole tournament. But Galcha, go ahead. I would like to say shout out to Pike's Pike uh Song Ho's goal against Brazil for mm. uh, South Korea when they were losing 4-0 in the first half. He just shot an ab absolute blaster from deep. Scott in the top to be Allison as well, yeah. like one of the best goalies in the world. And that moment, I felt like that was probably the goal of the tournament to me, other than uh Luis Chavez's goal against Saudi Arabia, which I like also. But yeah, so that goal I think it stuck out to me because it was just out of nowhere. They were losing 4 0, and he just sent one rocker back into the Brazilian Brazilian net, and they just felt like Brazil needed to wake up and close out the game because yeah. they were kind of slacking. That goal definitely should be mentioned. That was insane. I remember watching that, and it was already four nil. And you're thinking, like, this is this is tough. Like, this is a Brazil just masterclass. And then moments of magic, like we've seen throughout the whole tournaments. Unfortunately, some of as we as we talked about, Gavi overshadowed by the whole idea of what was going on in that match, right? Um, but yeah, tons of good goals. We talked with Charleston to many. We can we can even talk about Rafael Leao. He's had a couple of great goals. Him memorably smiling throughout all of them. I've never seen that on a player, but honestly, you, you, you kind of love to see it because it's 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 another one of those things. Sim, similar feeling to Emmy Mar Martinez with that confidence that you have before you know going into a play like that. So, fellas, let's talk about overall feeling feelings about this tournament. Did it live up to your expectations? Did the did the players that you wanted to see turn up? Did they turn up other than Messi? Let's just go around, and I want to I want to get your takes on the overall feeling, the fact that this is in the winter, uh, and we you don't you don't have to touch on the outside politics of of the whole event, but I guess even even to that degree, that kind of affected maybe how the how some of the games were played, stadium wise, how great were they, how great how we are we we've been talking about how great the results were, expectations did this did this live up or ex, or did it exceed expectations for you guys, Abinov? I think it actually exceeded expectations by a long shot. Like we are, because so, I, I remember we heard all the doubts, right? Before the tournament started, oh, it's in the winter. Will the players be trying as hard? Will the fan support be there? Will people actually show up to Qatar? Is Qatar going to be able to do it? And oh, of course, all the other off-pitch stuff that we've all kind of touched on, right? And I think they exceeded expectations, right? Uh, you bought up the stadiums. I think the, the way that the stadiums were in this World Cup, it's something that not many people are going to like care about, may, uh, care about, but I found it really fascinating. Uh, there's one in particular, I believe it's called Stadium 974, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, actually, yeah. The, it's, the, it's actually the world's first like completely, uh, completely modular stadium, right? Like after this tournament, they, they've already started work on completely removing the site and, re and using it for something else, mm -hmm. which... Me personally, I just think that's really cool. And I think it's something that we're going to see a lot more of in the future. And 
just everything about this World Cup, right? And especially you heard from you, we've heard from people who are actually in Qatar that it felt it basically felt like a month long party because mm. because of how small the nation is and the fact that the players actually didn't even have to fly to go to games, they would just be able to travel on buses. Mm. That every corner it felt like there was something going on. You could go from one, you could go for to one part of Doha, you would see a lot of people from Croatia and Brazil. You could go to them, you could go to another part, you could see people from Japan, etc. Right. And I think that it just exceeded expectations overall. I didn't really expect this World Cup to be as good as it was, but I'm kind of sad now because we're going to have to, like, I'm going to go from having to see this beautiful World Cup to going to, you know, Brighton versus Crystal Palace or um, or Wolves versus Blackburn. Like, it's just, yeah. it, it, so I think, so that part is a little bit sad, but it exceeded expectations. When we got the greatest final that, in the history of the World Cup. What what more can you really ask for? And at the end of the day, right, with all the upsets, with all the triumphs, the tribulations, it ultimately came down to two came down to two of the best players in the world. It came mm-hmm. down to the to the uh, it came down to Leo Messi, the greatest of all time, trying to get the one accolade he ever had. And also it came down to killing Mbappe, the future the future of football, right? And with this this game, it was also kind of a passing of the torch moment. Basically it was, it, 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 to me, it kind of felt like the old man getting one last run before mm-hmm. the youngster before the youngster can take over, like Robin yeah. becoming like Robin finally becoming Batman, but Batman's still Batman for a reason, right? Yeah, that is true. That's a, that's a very good that's a very good point. Was anyone disappointed by any? Because I, I know that obviously as a whole, the tournament was was fantastic. But was anyone disappointed by anything? Any expectations? I know that maybe for your own nations some some people may have not been happy uh Maurizio <laughs> I'm very 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 disappointed in Rafael Varane mm. this needs to be discussed I'm sorry Varane left the tournament with a percentage of 47 percent in duels one let me repeat that 47 percent in duels one he's a center back uh, let me repeat. Let, let me give you a, a, another one. Tackles one, zero percent. Interesting. Your center back. You have zero tackles one. That's very interesting. Um, he's horrid. He's horrid. He gets away with it because of his CV, and that honestly makes my skin crawl because he did not deserve to play a majority of those games in that tournament. Mm-hmm. You could say that with a couple of the French players. But the the main one for me is Varane. I've had my uh, beefs about Upa Makano. He's still a, a good player. Varane, there's no excuse for the uh, display he showed this tournament. Absolutely embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It just goes to, like, seeing this makes me reconsider all the times that I've called him world class. Maybe yeah. Marcelo Carvajal and Ramos carried this guy like like there needs to be a conversation i'm sorry like you cannot be a center back and have zero completed zero percent tackles in a yeah World yeah that is horrid and playing that in most of you them have, while you have ibrahim konate who has been arguably france's best defender on the bench mm-hmm. it is sick i just wanted to go over uh konate's um uh, stats real quick. 
just because he deserves it. I'm sorry. I had <laughs> to pull ahead. him up. Go ahead. And William Salibo, too. I just wanted to, 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 to bring up, in the final, Bernate played seven minutes. Seven minutes in the final. You want to know what he did in those seven minutes? That Paul Romani chance where Emmy Martinez saved it. Who passed it to Cole Romani? Ibrahim Konate. Absolutely perfect ball. I'm hearing people say Konate has no ball playing ability. That's why Upa McConnell should start ahead of him. I'm sorry. He put that on a plate for Cole Romani. It was a great save from Emmy Martinez, which is why he didn't score. Mm. Ibrahim Konate also won the corner that led to the third penalty, which led to the third goal. Ibrahim Konate also stopped a dangerous counterattack from Argentina. He did all of this in seven minutes. In seven minutes. Tell me who should have started that final game. And then come back to me after. Mm-hmm. It's Believe an absolute, absolute disgrace from Didier Deschamps. He has, he should be uh, credited for all the things he's done with France. Mm-hmm. But when he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong. So not to not starting that final is an absolute disgrace alongside with Giroud starting the final. He wasn't mm-hmm. fit. You still put him in. And that literally hindered your game for an entire 40 minutes. Another yeah. person that I was extremely disappointed by, Usman Dembele. Oh. Why are we calling this guy world class? Who was calling this guy world class? I want to have a conversation. Why is your winner defending anyway? Giving away a penalty. Why is your mm. winner getting ruined by a 30-something-year-old Di Maria? Di Maria's world class, don't get me wrong. But there's no way he used to be getting torn apart like that. For you to get hooked off, you see, the Giroud substitution, he was injured. Him setting him off for 40 minutes, that's understandable. Why did Dembele get hooked off after 40 minutes? Because he was abysmal. Mm. Horrid. Despicable. Whatever happened to Shane? That's what I want to know. What happened to Shane? There's no way you could be going, walking up to a World Cup final. World Cup final. Let me repeat it again. World Cup final. And performing like that. Mm. So I have, I have a lot of bones to pick. I'm very disappointed with the, with the France result. Just mm-hmm. because they could have offered more. They had it. They had, if, they had it if, all if in France, front of them. If France played as well as they played in, after that penalty went in, that first penalty, that entire game, Argentina wouldn't even have a sniff. They let Argentina play their game. They were very scared of Argentina. Simple mistakes led to simple uh, led to led to goals. It was just horrid. Hernandez was pretty bad in the, in the final as well. I felt someone who you know has been on and off throughout the whole tournament. He didn't really show up in in the final. But no, you're absolutely okay. correct. Varane, that's that's a that's a player that that we should you highlight more. Said, I'll say it again. Zero zero tackles completed. Zero. Yeah. That's William Saliba too. William Saliba, this guy's 21 He years had old. as many completed tackles as Saliba, and Saliba rode the bench. Yup, that's, that's exactly what I said. This guy played less than 30. He didn't even play in the game against Tunisia. I, my head hurts. It's but sick. No. This is why oh, you I tune mean, into the pod. If we're going to talk where about Where else are you pod. getting this entertainment? Can we talk about Hugo Lloris for a second? Right? This guy, right? <laughs> this guy. I'll admit, in the English... England game, he was he he was very good, but when it comes to penalty shootouts and when it comes, then Hugo Lloris is a fraud. I have never seen this man save save an important penalty 
when France needs him to. We've mm-hmm. seen this guy fall in big moments multiple has. times. Yes, yes. He did captain France to the 2018 World Cup. When was France seriously challenged during that entire World Cup? The hardest game they played was against Belgium, which was a 1-0 draw. And let's be honest now, that game was really... 1-0 draw? <laughs> my bad, my bad. A 1-0 win. Hugo, Hugo Lloris got me so heated, I can't even speak English properly right now. Right. Hugo, it was a 1-0 game off of a, off of a header from Samuel Umtiti, who right now, I don't know what he's doing besides costing Barcelona money, right? I don't know what he's doing. I think he's in the Serie A. No, it's an absolute disgrace that, Hugo, that uh, Hugo, if Hugo Lloris maintains his place in the France team after this tournament. The guys, third, we, they have better goalkeepers than him. Mike Magnon, for example. He this yeah. guy stepped into, stepped into AC Milan after, <clears throat> after Donnarumma left, and he has been nothing but excellent. And Lloris, this man, he spent 10-plus years with, with Spurs, and he has won zero trophies. He was their captain. What does that tell you? I don't. What does it tell you? Tells you that he's a fraud. That's what it is. (laughs) That's what he's a fraud. I would say bottling would be in his blood, but Romero actually won that final. So I don't know. Julian, go ahead. So one of the players I think I, I was most disappointed with throughout the tournament, I think everyone can agree with. And it's not really going to get talked about as much as it should be if Argentina lost the final. It has to be Lautaro Martinez. Has He did not have that great of a tournament. He's still a class striker. He's done great bits for Inter Milan and everything. But this tournament, he was just not in form. And the reason why we're not going to be talking about it as much is because Argentina won. And that's also a big part to my number one surprise of this tournament. And I'm so happy that he performed this well. Julian... Alvarez, La Araña. This man mm. was phenomenal this tournament. Uh, fun fact, he outscored Messi if you discounted penalty kicks taken in this tournament, and he was only two goals behind Mbappe for the golden boot, um, discounting penalty kicks. Of course, penalty kicks are a huge part of the game, but Messi scored as many penalties this tournament as Alvarez scored goals throughout, which just goes to show that this man was great. When he finally was given the start, which was the back half of the group and throughout the knockout stages, he was phenomenal in that striking position for Argentina. So he deserves his flowers, but that would not have happened if Lautaro Martinez did not be, have such a disappointing tournament by his standards. And here comes my, con- you know, Julian always has to have his controversial take. So um, to any Cristiano Ronaldo fans out there, you might want to not hear this, but I, <laughs> he disappointed me this tournament. I'm, this isn't a slander against Ronaldo, but, Coming into this tournament, what was the narrative? It's Ronaldo's last chance. It's Messi's last chance. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at everything. And Messi had 10 GA, like, this entire tournament. One of the most insane performances throughout a tournament. Ronaldo benched for a round of 16 match, benched for a quarterfinal match. Ronaldo did not play well this tournament. It sucks to say because he's amazing, but if you look at that Portugal team, the only reason why they were doing as good as they were, in my opinion, was when they would allow some of their youngins to play, so Joao Felix. But the main guy for me, Bruno Fernandes. He had a really good tournament as well. Mm. And all of that was overshadowed by Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, everyone was talking, Ronaldo's crying because he's out of the tournament. That's fair. But he got benched. 
And as much as it's crazy to bench such a huge name, I think it was for a reason. He wasn't that great this tournament. And you might say, well, he was average. Cool. But this is Cristiano Ronaldo we're talking about. Anything below exceptional is a disappointment by his standards. Yeah, it's for those for those who are wanting to uh, see this Ronaldo Messi final and then to see a last dance from from the both of them. It's obviously one side ended up winning by a landslide, uh, to say the least. Messi, obviously, getting to the final, winning it, player of the tournament, phenomenal in almost every single match. That's not even an argument. You can say that he he was a, probably carrying the Argentina side. However, you know, Alvarez, Martinez, uh, Enzo Fernandez, these are players that, you know, people just want to overlook, but they have all been classed. But in terms of, like, the two goats going at it and contributing for their team, one of them gets dropped and doesn't get that many minutes and hasn't been performing as well. And the other is starting every game, never getting subbed off and having masterclass after masterclass. It's, it is, it is what it is. It, it, as, as a neutral, it's kind of sad on, on, on to, to see one of them, you know, be put in such a position, but at the same time, this is football man. like, it's, it's not going to be a fairy tale ending every time, unless you're a messy fan and you're watching the 2022 world cup. Then of course, then you can't say anything other than that. Um, but yeah, are there any other disappointments and, and thoughts? Gaucho, go ahead. Uh, I would like to say Luis Enrique Spain. Mm. Honestly, they just increasingly look worse. For the first game, they won 7-0, yeah, but the, every game after, they looked worse and worse and worse. I couldn't, I didn't understand what happened, but I felt like, I felt like they needed to, to show a lot more tenacity in front of net, which they didn't show at all. And I feel like he he probably failed on working with players to help finish chances because although mm-hmm. they created a lot, they didn't they could have not finish anything. And I feel like everyone thought Spain would have been like a sleeper to win the tournament, even mm-hmm. me. I thought they might go to the final possibly, which I was totally wrong. <laughs> but still, I think that Luis Enrique needs to go back to go back to coaching school, he needs to <laughs> fix <laughs> yeah, of course he's an amazing coach, but I mean like he needs to learn how to get the best out of his attackers. And I feel like that's something he flopped on. And putting Busquets as a penalty shooter, mm. I could not believe it. It was disgusting for me. <laughs> I've seen Busquets play football a lot in Barcelona, and there's one thing he can't do, and that's shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was honestly, it was, it was to me, it was surprising to see Busquets in there beside Gavi and Pedri when you had the likes of Marcos Llorente, Coque on the bench, who I think could could have done a decent job in there especially with with the pace of the game and and how fast spain's movement is and 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 in your case spain you know on paper their attack isn't isn't exactly as experienced or isn't exactly as prolific as some of the other countries right but honestly props to making alvaro morata look like an absolute demon uh up top <laughs> for spain because he he a lot of, he gets a lot of slack at club level however when he plays for the international team somehow goals come and he was he was performing quite quite well, but you're right. Everyone got fooled. I feel after the seven nil win, and everyone is is shouting out, which is fair. Like who wins seven zero in a group stage game in your first match? Like that's quite an opening to say the least, right? Um, but yeah, that that is a good shout. Spain being disappointing once again, similarly to Germany and and Brazil getting upset as well. Like a team like that getting out that early, um, when they were literally when everyone was honestly putting them as favorites to win the whole thing right you have that type of attack it's like are you serious how are you fumbling with with that depth and 
it's just it's it's insane but all all good things come to an end this tournament has been absolutely phenomenal for us i feel like everyone here has pretty much said the same thing regardless if you love messi regardless if you're french regardless if you're a neutral or, or unless you're a Ronaldo fan, this World Cup was fantastic. You know, like it was, it was, it brought everything. It brought, it brought goals. I think it was the most goals scored in a World Cup, 172 ever. Like that's ridiculous. And 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 here we here we were on the pod complaining about the zero zeros, and we were like, these games are kind of boring. What's going on? Let alone ahead of us was an inc- like incredible matchups, incredible performances, a lot of players coming up and proving on the world's biggest stage that they deserve to be known. And, and there's not much more to say. Messi's Messi's story comes to a well, almost close. He still has the rest of the season, and I pray for Bayern in this next game uh, on Valentine's Day. That's not going to be an, that's not going to be a fun game whatsoever. However, you know he still has a Champions League ahead of him. He could he could win that. And do we think retirement? Who knows? This guy looks on fire, 35 years old, and and considering how well he's been playing. This is this this career. I feel like is 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 far from over. Like Mbappe's, who you know, this this World Cup has shown that this guy is is just about to launch into a different realm of of being. Um, and we didn't really get to touch on R nine and Mbappe debate uh, that Julian uh, put up last on, oh, on the no, on the last can, pod. We can but cover I, this on a different podcast. No worries. And no worries. and 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 we will definitely come back because the Champions League is starting very soon. Club football is coming back. So although the sadness of the World Cup being over is washing upon us now, club football will be, will be back. The podcast will be back. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you for my guests and all the guests that have appeared throughout the entire tournament. This has been incredible to cover it uh, front to back. And are there any final remarks before we close out the last podcast of the FIFA 2022 World Cup? Abinov. The little boy from Rosario finally got, the, finally got what his heart most desired. What more can you say? What more can you say? Exactly. Galcha. I just like to say that the king has finally been crowned. It's is that's it. It's it's all it's all finished. All the arguments, all the debates is finally over. It's it. It's done. It was over from before, but now this is finally like that's it. You got goat status from majority of the planet now. Yeah, it's it's really hard to argue that there has been a better player than Lionel Messi playing at his level for the consistency from his younger years to you know mid twenties and now mid 30s still proving himself at that age the king has been crowned galcha says put that in the headlines are there any other are there are there two following argue uh two following conclusions to this maurizio everyone's ending on a positive note i wanted to bring it back to a little bit more negative because you know okay well let's, we'll, we'll let julian end it but go just, ahead <laughs> just to uh just to say uh congrats to messi obviously but uh let's not forget de bruyne is overrated i just had to say it there's there's this world cup was the most pitiful excuse of a player i've ever seen in my life um i think he had like 73 percent accuracy like 59 touches per game this is your world-class midfielder stop it i'm tired of these agendas being pushed on me that these people are world-class when they're not they're not just because you can drop three assists against bournemouth away doesn't make you fucking god bro I'm sorry. <laughs> like, 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 and then also, I mean, I know I, I talked about it earlier, but the 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 comments that he made have stuck with me to the point that like I almost lost sleep over. I'm like, 
to say <laughs> those things about your team while you're literally about to play in a World Cup is nothing short of embarrassing. And um, yeah, screw Kevin De Bruyne. I don't like him. That's good. I honestly feel like we should probably end it on that. Uh, Julian, I but I need I need a motivating final quote. The people are here. The people are listening. Come on, hey man. First things first, we'll be back. We're gonna go on a little break. You know, Patrick needs to hang his hat. He's been phenomenal, and everyone else here has been phenomenal. So, from myself, thank from you. the Intermission Boys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, reading the articles, and contributing to what we do not only in the world of football but in all the other sports that we cover on here so first and foremost thank you so much for listening because these podcasts are like hours and a half you know shout out to our editor sam donsig as well for going through these as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah first and foremost just major thank yous to everybody involved world cup might have been one of the best ones we've ever seen a lot of positives a lot of negatives all i gotta say is Next time we're out here, you best believe me and Maurice are going to be out here pushing some negative agendas. <laughs> but for the rest of you guys, enjoy the rest of your break. Enjoy the football that's going to be coming back for your clubs. I know some of you guys are really excited. Some of you guys kind of like Abanov with all the injuries, not as excited, <laughs> but still. It's a nice period of time. Spend time with your family. Spend time with the people you love. And you guys have a fantastic time once more. Thank you very much for listening to the Intermission Sports. And that's all. That's all she wrote. Happy holidays to everyone. And we'll be back very soon. Take it easy.